only on Halloween. No one enjoys wearing these masks, but it is a small thing to do if by chance it helps my neighbor. It's fun to have a violin and a viola as a part of leading worship. And the rest of them. Uh, Last night at dinner, I got the question again. Are we going to be in Mark tomorrow? How much longer are we going to be in Mark? Let's pray. God, give us patience, and maybe for some of us, long-suffering, the old-fashioned word for patience, give us endurance. Uh, As Eugene uh, Peterson hinted at, give us a long obedience in the same direction in this life. Help us to be attentive to you in all things, and now in and through your word. I pray and ask that as my words are true to your word, that they be taken to heart. May they be discarded if in any way they are inconsistent with your word. Give us hearts uh, that are receptive soil, eyes that are able to see, and ears that are good to hear. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Last Sunday morning in the Gospel of Mark, we read about Jesus' transfiguration, that very unusual and unprecedented event in the scriptures and the gospels and really in human history. Peter and James and John are taken up by Jesus on top of a mountain. Elijah and Moses make special appearances. This morning we're going to reread that section of scripture from the beginning of chapter 9 of Mark's gospel but focus in on a little bit different element of that passage. Uh, To that end, it's going to feel Episcopalian a little bit this morning, but let's stand up for the reading of the gospel as some Christian traditions do as a way of honoring God's word. Uh, Reading from chapter 9 of Mark's gospel, beginning at verse 2, this is the word of the Lord. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There, Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, my teacher, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure Elijah does come first and restore all things. Why then is it, that, why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come. And they had done to him everything they wish, just as it is written about him. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. And so long before there was a television show called The Voice, there was The Voice. The Voice. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice, The Voice, came from the cloud 
this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And the voice was God the Father who was one with God the Son and yet speaking to God the Son, Jesus. Back in chapter one of Mark's gospel, we heard at Jesus' baptism that same voice, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. And we hear confirmation from the voice of Jesus' identity, expressing or expressions of God's love for the son, expressions of the father's approval and even delight in his son. And at that time, the voice was speaking to Jesus, and now the voice is heard again, now speaking to Jesus' disciples. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. And as we said last Sunday, up until this time, for the Jewish people, Moses' words carried at least as much weight as any person's words for Jewish people. The Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the scriptures, the books of the law, the books of Moses. That was the core of the scriptures for all of the Jewish people. Many people also gave significant weight to the writings and the prophets, and especially the prophets, but Moses' weight was most significant for hearing the voice for the Jewish people. Elijah, he represents the prophets here, but Moses, up until this time in Jewish history and life and faith, spoke most clearly for the voice. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Throughout the first eight chapters of Mark's gospel, Mark highlighted he has Jesus, and someone uh, at the dinner table last night also asked, what's gonna be the Greek word tomorrow? And the Greek word I said last night is today, ekousia, which is translated into English most often as authority, sometimes power. Jesus had authority, Mark tells us, over and over in the first eight chapters of his gospel. And now the voice reiterates, listen to him, this authoritative one. Listen to Jesus. He speaks with authority. Do you have questions about his authority? Do you doubt his authority? Mark offers the account of Jesus' baptism. Mark tells his readers about some of the dozens and maybe hundreds and maybe thousands of times people were healed by Jesus, the miracles Jesus did. Now Mark recounts Jesus' transfiguration as another way of expressing and telling about Jesus' authority. His resurrection would eventually be the ultimate event of Jesus' authority, proof of his identity, uh, which ought to prompt a person to listen to him. Is there a more important person in human history? Is there a more important person in human history? Is there a more influential person in human history than Jesus. If there is, I would like to hear about it. I would like to hear what others have to say or suggest. I would like to hear about this person. If there's anyone who better understood and understands the human condition and the human heart than Jesus, I'd like to know about that person. I'd like to hear about them, I'd like to get to know them, I'd like to read their books, I'd like to listen to their TED Talks. I'd like to follow them on Twitter or TikTok or Facebook or Instagram. I would like to follow them as Jesus' disciples attempted to follow him. Dallas Willard refers to Jesus as the smartest person who ever lived. And in one sense, I believe that was and is true. I also believe that he was the most loving person who ever lived. 
And I believe that he was God in flesh and that he was therefore worthy of our attention, worthy of us listening to him. The people I know who have immersed themselves, their lives, their minds in Jesus, in his teaching, in his words, in his way, in his activity, have discovered life with a capital L. To whom are you listening? To whom are you listening? What are the most prominent voices in your life right now? To whom do you listen? To what do you listen? What has your ear? Who has your ear? Anderson Cooper? Tucker Carlson? Joe Buck? Ibram Kendi, Dr. Fauci, Jerome Powell, Angela Davis, Angela Merkel, Chance the Rapper, Mother Teresa, Melinda Gates, Warren Buffett, Nancy Pelosi, Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, Jeff Bezos, J.K. Rowling, Brene Brown, Ben Shapiro, Taylor Swift, Katy Perry, Lady Gaga, Kanye West, Yee West, Who has your ear? To whom are we listening? This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The translators of the Greek manuscript put an exclamation point here. There's no punctuation in Greek in the Greek text. The translators put an exclamation point here. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him. Jesus. And what might Jesus have been saying? Mark tells us that he was chatting it up with Moses and Elijah, maybe catching up with him. But Mark doesn't record Jesus saying anything to his disciples, at least while they're up on the mountain. Jesus doesn't teach, he doesn't share, he doesn't reveal, he doesn't explain to Peter, James, and John until they're heading down the mountain. And at that point, Jesus says to them what he said many times before, don't tell anyone what you've witnessed, which Jesus says here for the very last time in Mark's gospel, but he also says for the very first time, until, he adds a clause, until you have seen the Son of Man raised from the dead, then you will understand, then you will fully grasp. And then Jesus goes on to talk about suffering that his forerunner experienced and the suffering that he would experience and the suffering that those who would follow him would experience, just as Jesus said right before he went up on that mountain also. And so one must conclude that there is one thing that the voice one thing that the voice most wanted Jesus' disciples and maybe also us to hear from Jesus at that moment, in that place, at that juncture, in their discovery process, because that's what's going on for, for the three years of the Gospels, a discovery process with Jesus. It certainly must have been that Jesus would be rejected, suffer, and be killed if there's only one thing or one primary thing that the voice wants Jesus' disciples and us to hear in listening to Jesus, which is exactly what they were not prepared to hear, what they didn't wanna hear, maybe what they couldn't hear. Have you ever been in a place, in circumstances, in a situation, or in a relationship where you just couldn't hear what was clearly being said or communicated because you really didn't want to hear what was being said? or you didn't have the tools or the inside of the maturity or the wisdom or the courage to hear that thing. The disciples were in that kind of place. They had that frame of mind. And hence the voice says exactly what they needed to hear. Listen to him, listen to him. 
Parents say to children over and over and over, listen. Teachers say to students over and over and over, listen. Doctors say to their patients, listen. Coaches say to their players, listen, listen. I refereed a youth soccer game yesterday, and I can't tell you how many times I had to call uh, throw-ins that were bad and give the ball to the other team, and the coaches were just exasperated with their boys. Listen to me. Two feet on the ground, ball starts behind your head. That's how you do it. Listen. And so often we don't listen. Not just the young soccer boys, but us. Sometimes by choice, sometimes by the fact that we seemingly aren't able to or don't want to. So a man goes to see his doctor. Uh, at the end of the visit, the doctor says, do you have any other issues that you'd like to talk about, anything you'd like to address, anything that we haven't covered? The man says, uh, well, there's one thing, and it's not so much about me, but it's about my wife. Maybe I should bring her in. The doctor says, what's going on with your wife? And he says, I think she's having a hearing issue, maybe hearing loss, maybe something bigger or worse. I'm not sure. So the doctor says, you can bring her in, but before you bring her in, why don't you do a little test? Why don't you stand 15 feet behind her or away from her and just say something in a normal voice? And if she responds, okay, good. If not, then move a little closer. If not, move a little closer. So that evening at home, his wife's in the kitchen over the stove fixing dinner. He, about 15 feet behind her, speaks in a normal voice, honey, what's for dinner tonight? No response. He moves five feet closer to 10 feet. Honey, what's for dinner tonight? In the same normal voice, no response. He moves to five feet behind her and says, honey, what's for dinner tonight? What are we having? No response. He moves just inches right behind her and says, honey, what are we having for dinner tonight? She whirls around and says, for the fourth time, chicken. (laughs) Who's got the hearing issue? God the Father certainly wanted Peter, James, and John to hear and to understand that Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, verse one, chapter one of Mark's gospel, would be rejected, suffer many things, and be killed, and that suffering precedes glory. Suffering always in the gospel and the kingdom precedes glory. And as it would be for Jesus, so it would be for Peter, James, and John. And Jesus was alerting this, them to this reality again, surely. But what if we were to understand, what if we understand the voice more broadly, more generally? What if listen to him was meant more broadly? If that's the case, then the message to Peter, James, and John, and us certainly would be listen to Jesus when he says, whoever wants me to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their, li- their life for my sake and for the gospel will find it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose their soul? And in chapter 12, Jesus will call the most important commandments these. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. In Eugene Peterson's words, love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. All of it. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures 
in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot love both God and money. You cannot love both God and the money God, mammon. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Seek first the kingdom. We hear, but do we? Listen has within it the understanding of also obey, do, follow. At the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't only be hearers of the word, but also doers of the word. To hear, to listen, has value, but the real value is to go further than that, to embrace, to do, to follow, to go. Jesus says pray, he says fast, he says give, he says serve, he says forgive, he says rest. How good are we at doing these things? We hear, do we do? Listen to him. Or maybe, maybe, maybe listen to him was more personal than all of that, though any and all of that may be personal for you. What if God in Christ had a word just for you, a message just for you, something specific that he wants you to listen to today or in your life? I remember Lily Tomlin saying something like, it's one thing for a person to speak to God, but it's a whole different thing when a person says that God is speaking to them. And she was being humorous or trying to be humorous. And I admit that I've sometimes been skeptical when people say, when someone has said to me, God told me this, God told me that, especially if what they say God spoke directly to them somehow benefited them above other people or was inconsistent with the already revealed voice of God and Jesus in the scriptures, in the Old and New Testaments. But I still believe God speaks to individuals individually, people like you and me today, especially when we are listening. God may be saying to a person, God may be saying to you, the voice may be saying and you not listening, you are loved, just as you are. No strings attached, no prerequisites, out of no merit of your own, not according to what you've done, knowing all the stuff that's in the closet and all of the scalp, you are loved. The voice may be saying, you can let go of that thing, whatever it is, and you will not die. You don't really need it. You'll be better off without it, trust me. The voice or the son may be saying, you can confess that thing. You can be honest. You don't have to pretend any longer. Trust me. Or you can take that step of faith, which feels not like a little step of faith, but a leap, a running leap of faith. Take it. Or the voice may be saying, you can say those things that you've been afraid to say all of these years. It's okay. You won't die. Say it. Or the voice may be saying, forgive that person. The grudge has gone on long enough. You will be better off. Forgive. God still speaks to individual people. 
I'm absolutely sure that God speaks to people and we hear God when we listen. And that's easier said than done for many of us human beings. First, there's the problem that sometimes we don't want to hear what Jesus has to say, the sorts of things that Jesus has said to others. Rather than trusting him, we choose to believe that we are better equipped to run our lives and navigate human nature and the universe than he is, which is ridiculous. In a recent major survey by the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, a uh, department of the government that we don't hear a lot about, 95% of adults said they found time for a leisure activity in the last 24 hours. But only 83% said they'd spent zero time, but 83% said they'd spent zero time just thinking. In his book, Back to Sanity, Steve Taylor writes, the urge to immerse our attention in external things is so instinctive that we're scarcely aware of it. We often speak of emails, tweets, and texts as if there are annoyances that we'd eliminate if we could. Yet the truth, of course, is that half the time we're desperate to be distracted and glad to embrace such interruptions. The French philosopher, physicist, mathematician, and Catholic theologian Blaise Pascal, Pascal wrote, all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. All of humanity's problems stem from humanity's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And the really startling fact about that quote is that Pascal wrote it, spoke it 400 years ago. Before the internet, before smartphones, before social media, before all of the distractions that currently have us, before all of the things that pull us away from listening to Jesus. After dinner uh, last night, I was uh, scanning the internet for uh, an article of clothing for someone in our family who uh, needed a certain article of clothing and discovered that clothing now is designed, built, and put together with compartments specifically for cell phones. Did you know that? Like, that hold them really close to our body and insecure, like a holster with a gun. We took our kids to a water park this summer. There were people who could not get in the water, go down a water slide, hang out in the lazy river for the 10 minute loop without their cell phone as if they would die without it. And so now they make these waterproof containers for cell phones for the people who just can't get that far away from their cell phone, which sometimes is some of us. Apparently, engineers are trying to figure out how to embed cell phones under people's skin, a, a bit like pacemakers, so that our beloved phones can always be with us. Okay, I made that up. <laughs> but you could envision maybe that's actually happening right now. According to the A.C. Nielsen Company, the average American watches more than four hours of television each day, or that's 28 hours per week, or two months of nonstop TV watching per year. In a 75-year lifespan, that person will have spent more than 12 years glued to the tube. These stats are a little bit old, and there's been this shift away from it. It used to be 35 hours, but there's been a shift away from that, of course, with smartphones, and now we spend more and more time with our phones. But TV, the average number of minutes per week that... Children watch TV, 1,680. The average number of minutes per week that parents spend in meaningful conversation with their kids, four. 
The number of murders seen on TV by the time an average child finishes elementary school, 8,000. The number of violent acts seen on TV by age 18, 200,000. The number of 30-second commercials on TV seen in a, in a year by an average child, 20,000. The number of TV commercials seen by the average person age 65, 2 million. What are we watching? To whom are we listening? The percentage of Americans who can name the three stooges. 59%. Who are they? Larry, Curly, and Mo. Yeah. What's the percentage of people who can name even one justice on the U.S. Supreme Court? It's about the same. A little over half, a little less than two-thirds. I digress. The truth is that we will not hear Jesus if we continue to fill our lives with busyness, noise, distractions, trivia, news, information, activities, hurry, hustle, bustle, appointments, meetings, commitments, entertainment, and noise, 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 noise. We can not hear Jesus. We will not hear Jesus if we never slow down and stop to listen, if we never create the space in our lives for such. We just won't. That's my experience, and I trust it's your experience as well. We will not hear Jesus and we certainly will not listen if we never turn off the noise or if we don't stop talking ourselves. We cannot talk. It's not possible for us to talk and listen or listen well at the same time or at least for very long. You know that, right? Even when we're trying to listen to someone and forming our response in our mind, we cease to listen to the other person even before we talk. Jesus still speaks to anyone who will listen through the scriptures, through people in Christ who are grounded in the scriptures, through the church when it is grounded in the scriptures, through God's spirit, and sometimes in prayer. On Thursday at Sanctuary Prayer, someone said simply, prayer is listening. And there's some truth to that. And a part of all of our prayer needs to be not just talking and saying what God already knows, but listening. Christianity is not a lifeless religion, but a living faith and a living God, a God who speaks very much still. And he will be heard by those who are listening. We used to talk about how almost every home in the United States had a Bible, like 90, 90 plus percent. The average home had four to five Bibles in it most of which were collecting dust. Today, access to God's word, to the voice of Jesus, to the words of Jesus are more accessible, more easily accessible than ever. Most of us have a smartphone in our pockets or a purse right now, which could, and for many of us does, have the Bible on it. And yet, the scriptures, the word of God, the one to whom we're called to listen, though so close, gets drowned out in many cases by texts, emails, notifications, and social media. Our phones could be a means through which we listen to Jesus, but for the most, but for the most of us, for the most part, that is not the case. And still the voice says, listen to him. Again, last night at, at dinner, how much longer are we going to be in Mark's gospel? Would it be the worst thing in your life if you immersed yourself in the way and the teachings and the words and the life of Jesus for two years, would that be such a terrible thing? 
Probably not. Jesus loves you, children's song. Jesus wants what is good and best for you, for us, for the world. Jesus was the smartest person who ever lived. Jesus had greater authority than anyone who has ever lived. Jesus gave his life for us and the world. Jesus died in our place. Why would we not do everything we could to listen to the one who is the way and the truth and the life? Do we think we're going to get something better, more, more enriching, more fulfilling, more helpful, more full of love through social media, through posts, through pictures of our cute cats and dogs or our neighbors? May we be immersed in God's word and by God's grace, may we live our lives in and according to and immersed in the words of the one who spoke and who still speaks. Let's listen to him. Pray with me. God, we ask that you would help us, help me, to put myself in a place, to put ourselves in places where we listen. To close our mouths, to create and find quiet space, still space, where we can listen. Give us courage by your grace, incline us toward you. Your word is so rich. The words of Jesus are truth and life. We've carried them around like marbles in our pockets instead of ingesting them like a feast. Help us, God, to feast on the words of your beloved Son, our King, who died that we might have life today and tomorrow and forever. Amen.